Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Have you ever heard these quotes and or comments. Friday the 13th is an unlucky day. A rabbit's foot brings good luck. An apple a day what? Keeps the doctor away. You've heard that. To find a four-leaf clover is to find what? Good luck. If you walk under a ladder, you're going to have what? Bad luck. Uh, If a black cat crosses your path, you're going to have what? Bad luck. To break a mirror will bring you seven years of bad luck. This is not going good. (laughs) To open an umbrella in the house is to bring what? Bad luck. To find a horseshoe brings what? Good luck. Step on a crack, break your mama's back. (laughs) Garlic protects from evil spirits and vampires. At the end of the rainbow is a pot of gold. I wish somebody would tell me where it is. If you blow out all the candles on your birthday cake with the first breath, you'll get whatever you wish for. If you snap a wishbone in half, whoever has the longer half gets their wish. An itchy palm means money is coming your way. A beginner will always have good luck. Beginner's luck. A cat has nine lives. Eating fish makes you smart. Eat more. (laughs) Chicken. Toads cause warts. To refuse a kiss under a mistletoe causes bad luck. If the bottom of your feet itch, you're going to make a trip. To, uh, To make a happy marriage, the bride must wear something Old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue. Washing a car will bring rain. (laughs) I think that's true. (laughs) It happened to me. A cat will try to take the breath from a baby. You ever heard that? I have. Warm hands, cold heart. Cold hands, warm heart. Uh, These are all known as what? Superstition. And of course, everybody knows this, or most know this, very superstitious, writing on the wall. (laughs) Very superstitious, ladder's about to fall. 13-month-old baby, broke the looking glass. Seven years of bad luck, good things in your past. When you believe in things you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition what? Ain't the way. 
I'll take you back a little bit. <laughs> Superstition really ain't the way. And Israel is going to find that out. And they'll find out superstition brings defeat, death, and departure. First Samuel chapter 4, I uh, didn't really know where to stop as I was reading today, so I think I'll just stop when reading whenever the Lord leads me to, and then we'll have some comments. How about that? First Samuel chapter 4, we pick up in verse 1. Saints, if you're looking at verse 1, say amen. amen. And the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. And then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they had joined the battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. And so the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. And so the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong, they said to each other, and conduct yourselves like men. Maybe some of your Bible says be strong and quit yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. And so the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. Then there was a great slaughter, and there fell of Israel 30,000-foot soldiers. Also, notice, the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Stop right there. Give me your attention. If you've been with us in Samuel, have, have you been with us uh, have you been with us in uh, Samuel and when we first began? Show of hands, first Samuel. Okay, you know that the book takes place during the time of the judges. When every man is doing what is right in his own eyes. There's no king in Israel. First Samuel is a transition book from the time of the judges to the time of the kings and the prophets. This book moves us into a time of monarchy and prophetic ministry. Samuel is the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. If you were with us in chapter 3, the last time, Samuel hears the voice of God in the temple in Shiloh 
while serving with Eli, the high priest. Chapter 2, verse 27, you might want to look around there. This unknown prophet prophesied against Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, your sons are going to die in a day on the same day, and your lineage will be cut off, and God will raise up another line, a lineage that will be faithful to serve in the office of the priest. And during this time, the word of God and the voice of God was rare. We talked about that. The word of God was rare in Samuel's day. And listen, look at me. The word of God is rare today. In our culture, we have so much communication, don't we? Twitter, Facebook, TV, magazines, books, blogs, bulletins, and Bibles. And it's baffling. Never before in the history of this great country has God's word been more abundant and available, and yet never before in the history of this great country has God's word been more rare. The light of the word is all around us, and yet we grope in darkness. We left off last week as Samuel in the temple ministering to the Lord before Eli, and God called Samuel several, several times, remember? And Samuel didn't know that it was the Lord calling. And then the Lord stood and called Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Look at chapter 3, right about verse 11. Then God said, I will do something. I love verse 11. God said, I'll do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone will tingle. Remember I told you, tingling ears speak of what? Anybody know? Judgment. Very good. Both ears tingling speaks of shocking judgment. At this time in the world, there was no great world power here in chapter 4. So Israel thought, well, we should be. So Israel wages battle against their neighbors, the Moabites and the Ammonites. And here in our text, the Philistines. Now listen, in terms of battle and warfare capability, it was more equal for Israel to fight with the Moabites and the Ammonites than the Philistines. The Philistines were a brutal war machine. The Philistines learned their military training from the Greek military. The Philistines were the first to use iron helmets and iron shields and swords and spears in battle. The iron was given to them by the Greeks. So that made the Philistine army pretty formidable. They were powerful and sophisticated, and, the, and they were the perpetual, persistent enemies of Israel. The title Philistines appears 150 times in First and Second Samuel. The Philistines were originally from Crete. They were a seafaring people. From the Aegean Sea to the Mediterranean coastal area of southern Israel, today is known as the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip has five major cities. Are you listening? Gath, Ekron, Ashdod, Ashkelon, and Gaza. Israel, matter of fact, we'll go to Gaza Strip when we're in Israel. We'll go there. Israel goes to battle against the Philistines. Israel set up command post in Ebenezer. If you're taking notes, write this down, which means stone of help. The Philistines set up camp at Aphek which means strength or firmness. 
For the Philistines, this is probably a battle position or a location they've been before, and they knew that it was a good location to get ready to fight. When Israel decided to go to battle against the Philistines, they bit off more naked chew. We know that because 4,000 Israeli men were killed in that one battle. Did you get that from verse 2? Look at verse 3 in your Bibles. They asked a question, why has the Lord allowed this defeat? But they didn't take the time to seek the answer to the question. Because if they had waited for the answer to the question, maybe they would have gone to battle, wouldn't have gone to battle in the first place. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, again, look at verse 1. The word of Samuel came to Israel. Before they went to battle, they never sought counsel from Samuel, the mouthpiece of God the prophet of God at this time. They have a man of God that God has revealed himself to. This man of God is able to bring them a word from God and they didn't ask. And because they did, listen to me, because they didn't ask, they were defeated. James 4.2 tells us, you do not have because you do not, anybody know? Ask. And how many times have we made a decision and you didn't ask, and because you didn't ask, you found yourself defeated? How many times, how many counseling appointments I've had with people? Well, Pastor, you know, we did this and we did that, and this turned out this way and this turned out that way. And I ask them one question and I ask it quick. Let's just stop right there. Let me ask you, did you pray first? Not pray after, because everybody prays after. I am. Everybody prays after. But did you pray first? Lord, do you want me to do that thing? Lord, do you want me to enter into that relationship? Lord, do you want me to do that business deal with this individual? Lord, do you want me to take that job? Lord, do you want me to move to that house? Lord, do you want me to buy that car? Lord, do you want me to fill in the blank? Ask the Lord first, and you'll be surprised if you ask him, he'll speak. (laughs) Funny how that happens, isn't it? God will speak. God will say. God will tell you. God will speak to you. Every single Christian in this room, listen, has a red phone direct line to God. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. That's okay, because it's true. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, memory verse. Let us boldly come to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy and help in a time of need. We don't need to go through. Listen, this is important. Listen, you have a direct access to God. Let us boldly come to the throne of grace. You come to the throne of grace. You have a direct line to God. You don't need to come to Pastor Rodney for prayer. Pastor Rodney, I need you to pray for me. How about this? Pastor Rodney, I need you to pray with me. And don't get me wrong. I'd be happy to pray for you. But my prayers don't arrive at the ears of God any quicker than yours. Uh Uh-huh. You're like, what? Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the... The, the confidence, I mean, I, <laughs> it actually is quite overwhelming, and uh, thank you. 
But uh, my prayers don't reach the ears of God any quicker than you. You don't have to go to anybody to be heard of God. You don't have to go to anybody to pray. You don't have to go to the priest. Listen to me. I'll wait. I'm in a rush. I got to be here. You don't have to go to the priest so the priest can go to Mary, so Mary can go to Jesus. Being an ex-Catholic, this was revelation to me. Having spent most of my years in school, in Catholic school, you know my story. I told you I got kicked out of 10th grade. That's another sermon. Let's not talk about that. (laughs) But from 1 through 10, I went to Catholic school, and I went to Mass, and I went, you know, I... I, I went through everything, and so, and, and, and I love school, and, and as hard as the nuns were on my knuckles, I really, I really appreciated it. I did. They were great, and I got a good education, and I loved it. But one thing that was really a revelation to me was that I didn't have to go to the priest so the priest could go to Mary, so Mary could go to Jesus, so Jesus could go to the Father, so the Father could tell Jesus, Jesus could tell Mary, Mary could tell the priest, and the priest could tell me. Let us boldly come to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy and help in a time of need. We don't need a Samuel. We have God's word. We have prayer. We can ask God's direction through the Holy Spirit within us. They had made the word of the Lord and the counsel of God through Samuel, and and they didn't ask. In verse 2, and because they didn't ask, Israel, did you note this, got a whooping. The Philistines killed about 4,000 of their men and left their dead bodies lying in the field. Israel is defeated. And then they say, why has the Lord allowed this defeat? Someone came up with the bright idea. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant in verse 3. Tells us they decided to bring the Ark from Shiloh. It seems that Hophni and Phinehas were escorts to delivering the Ark. And that'll make more sense in just a moment. In chapter 3, verses, uh, chapter 3 through chapter 6, we're going to hear about the Ark 35 times. It's sometimes called the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of God, or the Ark But in these verses, it's called the Ark of the Covenant. Now listen, the Ark of the Covenant was the visible representation of God's presence among God's people. Let me say that again. The Ark of the Covenant was the visible visible representation of God's presence among God's people. The Ark of the Covenant was built under the leadership of Moses. God was very specific in what materials were to be used in the building the Ark. God was very specific in how the ark was to be handled. And the, and, and the reason God was so specific was because the ark of God was wrapped up in symbolism for me and you. Are you getting this? Israel got whooped by the Philistines. They don't know anything about repentance because their pastors, Hophni and Phinehas, haven't taught them anything about repentance. Hophni and Phinehas have been living in sexual sin And stealing from the Lord, so when they are defeated or they're faced with a situation, it doesn't even occur to them to go to God and ask. You see, this is important. And this is the importance of teaching the full counsel of the Word of God. Because when you teach God's Word, listen, you don't compromise on sin, on repentance, salvation, heaven, or hell. People get understanding when you teach God's Word. 
And the Bible says my people perish because they don't have understanding. People are dying because they don't have understanding in the word of God. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. The duty of the pastor is to impart knowledge through the word of God. So when life comes at you and life comes at you fast, you immediately turn to the word. You seek God. You seek his counsel. Israel didn't do that. Instead, when they were defeated, they began to ask questions. And, and instead of prayer and repentance and seeking counsel through Samuel, they decided to bring the ark of God into their midst. Perhaps that will help. Now, in all fairness, let me tell you that this isn't the first time that Israel brought the ark into battle. Joshua chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. Write them down. I don't want to read them all. And Numbers 31, 6. First uh, Samuel 14, 18. Second uh, Samuel eleven eleven, Second Samuel fifteen twenty four through twenty five. These are various times and verses that the ark was taken into battle. Now they're wanting to bring the ark into their midst. Listen, as a good luck charm, they're wanting to bring the ark into their midst because for them it's a superstitious thing. It's superstition. People are very superstitious. Many athletes, famous people, very superstitious. Good luck, bad luck. I was reading today. Uh, I found out for some, you know, famous people, you know, like on stage, you know, when they say, uh, uh, they say, uh, never say, um, never say good luck. I think they say, say break a leg. Because uh, if you say good luck, they're going to have bad luck. Uh, never take peanuts behind the back, backstage. Uh, never say the name of the play that you're in backstage. Never whistle backstage. I found out that Cuba Gooding Jr., who people say I look like, by the way, um, Cuba Gooding Jr., it's like, why? Because we both have no hair? Why? Cuba Gooding Jr., get this, carries a good luck charm and won't tell anybody what it is because that would break the good luck. Jennifer Aniston, 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 won't board a plane until she taps the side of the aircraft, then boards the aircraft with her right foot first. Cameron Diaz suffers from paraskevidae, Catriophobia. Paraskivade patriophobia. What is that? The fear of Friday the 13th. Somebody once said, when you can pronounce the word, you're cured. <laughs> I think there's some truth in there somewhere. Michael Jordan would always wear his blue North Carolina shorts under his Bulls uniform for good luck. Tiger Woods believes red brings him good luck, so you often see him wearing a red shirt. Uh, Rachel Ray, she's like a cooking lady, and, and she, she throws salt over her shoulder, and she won't want, walk under a ladder, which many people do that. Uh, some fishermen spit on the bait. I never heard this before. Spit on the bait before casting their line. Has anybody ever heard that before? You have heard that before? You have heard that before? You have heard that before too? Even the new people have heard that before. I never heard that before. 
That is disgusting. It's reported, get this, that Americans, I never knew this, 20 million Americans carry a rabbit's foot for good luck. I was reading the history of the rabbit's foot, and get this, in order for the rabbit's foot to truly be luck, it had to be the hind foot, the rabbit had to be caught and killed in a cemetery, the rabbit had to be captured during the full moon, the new moon, 5 to 13th, <laughs> Some suggest the rabbit had to be cross-eyed. This was an unlucky rabbit. (laughs) Had to be cross-eyed and then killed by shooting with a silver bullet. I know. And you know what? Honestly, that sounds actually pretty evil. There's something evil in there about that. It's unfortunate, though, but listen, it's unfortunate that Christians and people of faith use religious and spiritual things as a good luck charm and superstitiously. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.